In a dark alley, a knife strikes its target. The victim collapses next to a dumpster. As their final act, they carve a word into the mud. Is it a clue to the murder? Is it a hint at the motive? No, it's Dying Message, the detective anime mystery podcast. Welcome to Dying Message, where each week we watch detective anime along with a mystery guest. Today's case is Detective Academy Q, Episode 5, Crack the Code, A Message from the Deceased. I'm your lead investigator, Noah Max Levine, and I am already running out of pithy one-liners to say with my introduction and regretting putting this as an element in the podcast. Joining me is our resident anime expert, Michael Savitsky. Mike, what have you got for us today? Well, today... Uh, while watching this episode, I thought a lot about uh, an anime-slash-video game series uh, that I had a lot of fondness for in this era, uh, Rockman EXE-slash-Mega Man Battle Network. I'm led to believe that Rockman is Mega Man? Rockman is Mega Man, if we change his name for America, for no reason. Okay. Uh, but, so, basically, we had an entire society based around the idea that you would want to have, like, a little... A- every person would want to have their own personalized AI friend that, like, Googles shit for them. And, like, the whole society is based on that. It makes no sense. The idea is to have Mega Man, this little AI friend, go out and battle things. But basically what it came down to was uh, like a bunch of junior high students that threw themselves into danger on a regular basis. Like, oh no, the oven's on fire. I have to get close to it so that my friend can jump into it and save the day. Oh yeah, that our, our characters really like to get into disproportionate amounts of physical danger, uh, pr- disproportionate to their ages. Yes, and the, all the tech stuff in that was equally nonsensical, as I'm sure uh, we'll get treated to on this episode and further. Well, I know you're also a fan of Digimon. Isn't that an element of Digimon? I would say that they mostly avoid talking about or glo- like trying to come up with techno-nonsense. It just sort of vaguely takes place in a digital world. And we've got one character who's basically good at Googling things. <laughs> then later has a tech firm, but they never talk about anything enough that it could be nonsensical. Googling things used to be a real skill when, like, not everybody (laughs) knew what the internet was. Yes, that's true. Well, I'm excited to see how that plays into this technological episode. (laughs) Um, uh, So let me introduce our guest, um, who can also uh, talk to that area. Our guest this episode, he is a software engineer. He likes making things that help people. He also teaches high schoolers how to code in his spare time. And one time he solved the mystery of when grapes arrived each day in the dining hall. Uh, it's a good friend of mine, Ronald Martin. Hello. Welcome. So um, I did, we, we haven't established this about Mike, but Mike is also a software engineer, trained in whatnot. You're a software engineer. Uh, mm. There's some software p- presumably referenced in this episode somewhere. Sure. I saw it. It was very exciting. A common thing that we encounter is like the portrayal of computer types on film and television. Especially in the early 2000s when this was made. <laughs> Outside of this episode... Does anything stand out to you about, like, when you've watched something like that and there's a software engineer character that was realistic or unrealistic to your day-to-day experiences? Oh, it's always so funny to see, like, coding on TV. Um, what generally happens is they try to dramatize it, but what an actual, like, I don't know, 100% or 90% of my time, I'm just, like, quietly sitting in front of a computer trying to figure out a problem and not just, like, frenzied typing with all these fancy words and stuff. 
there's a lot of problem solving and it's kind of similar to to mysteries except it's uh it's very slow yeah like programming is 10 percent writing code and 90 percent sitting looking at your screen and be like fuck why didn't this work it should have worked <laughs> and and sometimes they have these like big setups with tons and tons of computer screens and keyboards and inputs oh and they type so much so fast which we'll get into later so <laughs> oh, much it's typing. so funny yeah, if you've ever used Hacker Typer on the internet, that's like the epitome of TV, TV programming. It's just a website where you like type, and no matter what you type, it just looks fancy and complicated, like code. Definitely try it out if you're wanting to prove. Yeah, if you're if you're wanting to impress your friends. I've also seen one for like pretending to work at like a boring office job where you just press <laughs> random keys and it puts out business jargon. Ooh, the same idea. Uh, I've not used it. I have seen it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All of our podcasts that we're doing right now are remote, even though we've, as of yet, only talked to people who are physically kind of close by in the city of Philadelphia, where we're, we're located. We're recording in May of 2020, so a lot of things are happening remotely at this time. I do want to mention that you're coming in from across the coast, not across the coast. You're coming in from across the country in the, the Bay Area. That's right. Yeah. No, I'm um, native San Franciscan and happy to be here but also happy to talk to you over there three hour time difference and it's the t it's like the tech capital of the world so i don't know maybe 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 you'll be like yes people do walk around san francisco carrying little tiny computers <laughs> and using programming to solve all their everyday problems i don't know the the thing we always talk about with people is kind of their background on watching all the different kinds of stuff that come into play here so first let's start by talking about anime well, how much anime have you watched? I know you've watched some. I feel like you've watched some. Yeah, I've definitely watched like my fair share, but I wouldn't say that it's my main like source of joy. I guess like in in terms of related things, I I like reading more, so I read manga more than I watch anime. I I mean, I pretty much they're they're certainly different, but I pretty much I, in some ways count reading manga as watching anime <laughs> in terms of like you're gonna recognize tropes and series and characters and things yeah, like that. Sure. That's true. I guess there's some stuff specific to anime that doesn't come to play in manga. Yeah, for me specifically, it's the whole like waiting for things to happen thing. You can mm -hmm. just read faster when you're reading manga, but if you're watching anime, like you have to wait and there's dramatic tension and it's very exciting like this episode. We're looking at you, One Piece. <laughs> You've never... Have you even seen any episodes of One Piece? Yes. Oh. I've seen, like, the first two seasons. He's seen the first two seasons. That's, nice. like, less than 1%. Well, I got tired of waiting. <laughs> um, any, like, kinds of manga or anime that you're drawn to or, or some, of, some of your favorites? I would never ask someone their favorite anime because, like, who's going to answer that question? No one. <laughs> I Not mean, I. I could answer it. Oh. <laughs> well, then answer it. <laughs> uh, let's see. I think it was... Gurren Lagan. That's our second Gurren Lagan fan. Yeah, it's so it's popular. Um, since we didn't even talk about it last time, I know it's by Trigger Studio Trigger Studio Trigger, which is a studio that's made some of the other things that came up. What what kind of show is it? What happens on it? For me, like my memory of it, even if it's been so long since I've watched it, is like it's this story. It's like kind of a coming of age story of fighting against like the oppression of fate. And then trying to like seize your own destiny. Um, definitely some like, there's lots of action. There's giant robots. There's uh, exciting characters who, you know, 
yell um, inspirational messages and I don't know. It's uh, it it made me happy and like want to go seize the world, and that's the kind of feeling that I like getting from anime and manga. Huh. It's also it's a post-apocalyptic show about robots. Hey. That sounds. Yeah, that's why Michael watched it. <laughs> cool. So that's that's anime and stuff. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about. I don't know that I know this about you too much. Do you like a good mystery? And I'm talking Ooh. about this generally. So that could be TVs, books. Uh, novels, podcasts. Yes, definitely. I love mysteries. And I think, like, if I had to pick a favorite TV show of all time, it would be BBC Sherlock. Ah! I've made a couple references to that. I've only seen a handful of it, I think, personally. Yeah, it got less good as the time went on, but, uh, like, the first few episodes, which were very interesting takes on, like, the source material, like, lots of lots of great mystery action yeah our hero kind of this show q is very different from sherlock <laughs> but the the main thing they have in common that we've discussed is sometimes they're kind of jerks or rude to people yeah Ooh. not his q is not as rude in the same way as sherlock is yeah q is maybe accidentally rude because he's just oblivious but they get, all get away with it because they're brilliant yeah so then i want to ask about detective anime mystery anime specifically have mm. you ever seen any of that um, I used to read Detective Conan, and I watched some of the episodes or movies or both. Um, I can't name any like off the top of my head besides that, though. Yeah, Detective Conan is definitely the thing we've seen the most of. Uh, we're continuing to not explain what it's about. <laughs> we're going to talk about it every episode, and we're not going to tell you a thing. <laughs> but we will watch it eventually. We'll get to it. It's, it's very clever. It's very neat. Yeah. Um, and I think like you'll notice some similar kind of ways they present the mystery here um and it, it'll ring similar in some ways but there's there is so much of it it's it's impossible to know what you have and haven't watched yeah does death note count as a mystery anime does in my mind mm. at least the at least definitely like the first half where yeah. light yeah. is basically trying to help l catch himself and i will plug uh our preview episode which we recorded way back when if you haven't caught that yet uh, Mike brings that up and spoils oh, a major spoiler don't for me. Oh, but don't listen to it if you haven't seen Death Note. Yeah, but you if, already have, in which case I'm sorry or not sorry. Uh, uh, but we talked about it a bit then and and how it might be a mystery. So so Mike definitely counts it. I haven't seen it, so I don't know. Cool, yeah. I think I think you were probably pretty well prepared to watch this, other than the specific context of the show that I may or may that we may or may not have given you before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> before we told you to just jump in. Yeah, we just talked about Q being a jerk, but I actually don't know which one of the characters Q was. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> we will we will untangle all of the mysteries, including the murder mystery in this episode and the identity of the protagonist. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm actually really excited because I feel like we're started finally starting to get to like the boilerplate murder mystery episode, which is like the meat of a detective anime show. There's a murder, they go and solve it. We were dealing with there was one in the first episode. And then we were dealing with entrance exams. We were dealing with the first day of school and and all the things there. Irresponsible teacher safety protocols. Uh, but here we here we get our murder mystery. So, uh, for for Ronald's sake and for our listeners who may be jumping in or, or are just generally forgetful people, I'm sure you're not. 
please listen to our show. <laughs> Could you fill us in on what's been happening on Detective Academy Q before we talk about the fifth episode? Sure. So without going back too far or into too much detail, our plucky group of detective wannabes uh, found out about DDS, the high school where they could learn to be detectives. Then they took the entrance exam uh, and they've all passed and they successfully survived their first day of school. And so here we are. Uh, their first day of classes has begun. And they found out when they got to school that they are not in the A, B, C, or D ranked classes because you get sorted by how you're ranked. Right. Uh, kind of rudely based on how well you did. So like A is like the smart kids. D are like, you barely got in here. Uh, but they have ended up in class Q, which is an unexplained class just for the main characters of this show. Is it better? Is it worse? It's different. Is it named after one of them? Yes. <laughs> Does anyone point it out? No. So let's let's start talking about this show. Uh, Ronald, did you watch the opening song? Kind of pay any attention to that? Uh, I I did. I saw that there was a lot of the letter Q appearing, <laughs> and I did notice all of these different high school students. And uh, did you like the song? You know, that's not the part of it that I really remember. That's 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 true. Uh, yeah, I I think if I had only watched one episode, I might not have caught on to the song. I think the part it of the song that stuck in my brain was like they're laying on a hill. Very, yes, very beautifully and dramatically. Yeah. Well, there's like a, a musical thing. We've now talked about this with everybody, but that's okay. Everybody has different things. There's like a musical like da 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 da, da and they all sit up one at a time on the hill. But yeah, the letter Q is probably the most prominent thing. So the, the very first scene in this episode is kind of continuing an ongoing arc thing that's been happening. So it, it was probably entirely baffling for you to jump in. Uh, at the end of every episode, there's been these little like six second stingers where we've seen this blue haired character named Ryu who was in America. He helped this girl who was lost. She made him a cake and then he left the country uh, and she chaired to taste him down through New York City. That's all we know about this guy before he appears in this scene at the start That's of the episode. We know he's associated with DDS because his first bit was like, he was on the phone. He was like, what? Yeah, DDS. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, great, bye. And he's in the opening. So clearly he's going to be important. And he's picked up at the airport. I have a question for Michael. Uh-huh. Was the character who picked him up our protagonist's mom? No, I don't think so. Same haircut, though. She had lipstick right? on. Oh, oh, could it be her but with lipstick? Oh, that would be a brilliant weird. disguise. I didn't think of that. I don't know. I thought they just drew these unimportant women in this generic, rude way. That's possible. And he asks if he wants to go to the estate, but he says, no, I'll go to DDS. Making you think that maybe he'll appear later in the episode because he's going straight to the school where all the other characters are. Also, establishing pretty quick, he's probably like a rich guy. Yeah, probably. That's really it. I don't know. Did, did you, did that, did that scene even register? It's so out of context. Yeah, you know, I didn't remember it until you said it. <laughs> this <laughs> is why I write things ever down. Again. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we would have talked about it if I hadn't written it down. Who knows? Yeah, but now I vaguely remember this like rich kid who's being driven around somewhere. It, it, it doesn't come back up in the episode. I'm going to guess that he's not Q. No, no. He's, he's Ryu. He, Ryu. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Their names are almost the same, but not. not so there. I think he's going to be like a rival character. That's my guess. It is just a guess. It's just a guess. We don't know. Um, and then they get to, they, they, we cut into them. They're in their classroom in this mansion secluded in the woods, away from the rest of the school, where Class Q has been uh, designated to meet. Uh, and the very first thing that happens is, um, uh, how do we yeah. describe this? Q 
Q-Perv's out about Megu's underwear for no reason again. <laughs> yeah, this is this has happened a little bit before. They were practicing tailing by following her. They stalked her. Q and Kinta uh, just walking down the street, unknowingly following their classmate Megu, who trips on the street. They get a glimpse at her underwear, and they, I guess, decided Which, to tell her about it. I was glad at least we didn't get a glimpse of her underwear, because that's not necessary. No one yeah. does that. And she, of course, gets really mad, and they kind of, like, are throwing, like, a school, little school fit, and they throw a notebook, and, and, uh, the, the person who walks in is the headmaster of the, the headmaster of the it. school. You caught it, because he's a famous detective. <laughs> oh, I was very impressed with his skills. He's the head of the school, he's the famous detective, we, we've compared him to, like, a, a Professor X or Dumbledore type. But the whole argument puts some doubt into Cosma's mind, so Cosma is the computer programmer character. And he's a little angsty. He's tired of his friends, like, very quickly already. Uh, and he's kind of like, ugh, they're, they're messing about. Um, and I, I kind of don't want to be in this class anymore. There's an announcement over the loudspeaker, which is apparently how this happens in their school, calling the jerk Saburamaru, who we've met before, um, and another member of Class A to go investigate a real murder. And let's emphasize, this is the first day of class. They have received no education or training on the solving of mysteries yet. <laughs> They are in homeroom on day one. Oh, wow. This was day one of class? I thought at this point they'd been in the school for like a year, two no. years. Nope, Quinta, Quinta is kind enough to let us know uh, right away that it is the first day of class. They had like their orientation day where they all came to school and they got like the big assembly. And bombed. They all got their, their detective notebooks. Yeah, but they haven't done anything yet. They haven't learned anything yet. Of course, Cosma hears the announcement over the loudspeaker and expresses his angst. He says he wants to go join the investigation. He's thinking that he'll get to go by himself and leave leave the uh, imbeciles in his class behind. But they're like, oh, sure, all of Class Q can go on this trip. And they all get able to do it. The the other thing, I I don't feel like we got a good... Uh, summary of DDS in this episode, which they've been doing every episode prior. But Ronald, the other thing to know, which we note very quickly, is like the police and other people call in the students of DDS to help them with investigations and don't seem to care that they're high school students, mm-hmm. as you can imagine. Well, on this case, on this particular case, they aren't called by the police. They're right. called by a private citizen because the, the- police uh, were like, it's an accident, bye. I particularly noted that uh, the first thing when we cut to the next bit... They are like, you students are in charge of this investigation. We, your teachers, will just be giving you advice. You have to solve this real-world murder. It is in your hands, untrained high school students. There's also this, like, um, thing going on where they're, like, the only characters in the universe. If this is a high school, there should be older students as well. Where are the people that right. They're first years. are more trained? Where are the second years and the third years? It's a mystery. But yeah, so they show up at this oh, I felt so bad for this poor woman. So the, she has, her father is dead. She had the police there. They investigated. They called it an accident. So she's like, she, she calls a high school and they send over children to solve her father's murder or not or accident. Like, I'm just like, I, what I wrote down was, hi, we're the children here to solve your father's murder. Like, I can't imagine what would actually go through her head. I thought she was, I thought she was okay with it because she was a child too. How old was she? How it's old vague. is she? This is another thing. This show is not great when they do um, a one-episode murder of developing any of the characters. No. They just kind of go through all the points, which is still fun to watch. And I wouldn't say it's poorly done, but there's there's things left by the wayside here. 
um, they note Super, Super, Saburo Maro does do something important, which is he notes there's a security camera, so they're pretty confident the murderer must have been inside of the house. We learn the the client's name is Otori Shizuki. Her father was the victim, Otori Mitsugu. He was a sports commentator on F1 races, and he was was writing books about it. And like you said, the police ruled it an accidental death, but th- but they called them in because they want to know what happened. And honestly, commentator on an F1 racing that's writing a book about it is such a random occupation to not be important to the plot <laughs> at all. It's not important to the plot it's of this. It's so random. But it did result in some cool uh, race car props inside of the house. That's true. Yeah, they they were like, what are we going to draw? Race cars? Great. <laughs> And then the they start to give us some of the clues here and some of the setup of the murder. So they look out a big kind of floor ceiling length window on the ground floor and they see there's a hexagonal spot in the ground that's been taped out where the flower pot fell. The report said a flower pot fell on his head and it was fatal. There was cerebral hemorrhaging, but no other wounds. And the, the balcony above belonged to his assistant. Well, so this is another weird aspect of this whole arrangement. We've got this like house slash apartment building. And it's like the author slash commentator lives on the ground floor. His assistant lives on the second floor. His manager lives in the building too. Like what? And his wife is the landlord. Like what is this arrangement for your life? It's the setup for a murder mystery. It's, that's all it is. Uh, oh, and here's here's where things get exciting. Here is where things get exciting. The victim was found lying in front of the computer, which he fell on top of and has typed out in addition to what was previously in the document, English numbers slash nonsense, it says, and I'll only say this once, uh, R-I-J-H-N-T-U-N-B-M-5-Y-E-G-F-B. It might be a dying message. (laughs) And Cosmo's the one who declares that for us. So this is the second time in five episodes that they've specifically had a dying message that they're talking about. But this one was typed on the computer, and it's going to be a very important plot. Like the whole plot of this episode. It's the whole plot. Cosma is excited because it's a code, and he wants to he wants to jump in and try to solve it. Or at least he's decided it's a code. And the very first thing they try is something that makes a lot of sense, which is that the keyboard has both Japanese and English characters and functions on it. So they try to type out the same thing so that it will type the Japanese uh, the kana instead, and it and it just pronounces gibberish. So that they rule that out. Uh, but then cue uh, what I what I would call funky hacking music. Because yes. Azuma starts doing his thing. He's got code deciphering software, which he's written, which is not the most unbelievable thing. Wait, wait, wait. We, we've, we've got to go back. Because you mentioned oh. this music. Uh, it is, the only way I can describe it is hip-hop music. It's like instrumental, <sighs> what someone thinks of when they think of hip-hop. Uh, as he pulls out his computer and declares that he's going to solve it, he has he has written a program, which is like maybe believable. That's an easy that, an easy software to write is like character replacement and stuff. I could believe he did that. What do we know? What do we know about ciphers and deciphering things and writing programs for it? Well, I mean, if you're just trying to do something like a shift cipher, right? So you're just you're just randomly having the software try each increasing number of spots over and you'd, you'd have to manually look at it yeah. unless you've written something for it to recognize Japanese in this case but I mean you could manually look at the results but the point is it doesn't require like almost any typing and he is <laughs> typing like a fiend well he also has supposedly already had this program on hand I don't know like 
Ronald, what would you think to do if you were solving? You know what? I don't. I don't even think I would have used a computer at all. <laughs> right. You try to manually solve yeah. it, which it feels like after a point what he's trying to do. So it's like, what is he manically typing about? Megu also refers to him again as a genius boy programmer. Oh, that was great. That's his characteristics. They're all genius in something. Uh, I don't think it comes into play, but but Ronald, just so you know, Megu has a photographic memory. Oh. Which is, as I'm going to continue to say, a real skill that really exists. Mm. Okay, okay. <laughs> and Kit and Q lean in when, when Cosmo's trying to use his computer to solve it. And I think they, maybe, maybe they're get, catching on what you two are catching, because they're like skeptical that he's going to be able to, to, to decipher this code by using his computer. And, and, and Cosmo catches that. He, he says, stop disturbing me. I, I, I'm going to do this myself and be promoted to A-class. Oh yeah, well that's the thing. Sab Romaru uh, in sticking to his ex- existing character trait of making people do work for him yes has sort of like i'll get you into class a if you solve this which is not a power a student in his first day of class has of course not it's not something he could do so it's a weird promise for him to buy into how much of this how much of this are you following ronald because there's a like there's two interesting things here one is they're playing off of the character relationships that they've established but two i can also tell you that like Cosmo feeling out of place was not a thing before this episode. Oh. No, he was cheerful and friendly. Huh. I I wouldn't have expected that. Actually, you know what? Maybe I would have expected that because of uh, closer to the end where they all are friends again. That's what it was like the whole time. They were like cheering and jumping. But yeah, so far it's pretty self-contained. I think. And it'll probably never come up again. Yeah. Are you sure that this uh, Sabra Maru character doesn't have the power? No, he's he's like that inflated kind of rich kid who thinks he can have whatever he wants. And this is the first episode where they haven't reminded us that he is an admitted to Tokyo University student who's going to this high school with an IQ of 180. Wow. I'm surprised he hasn't told us because he, he doesn't. <laughs> He'll tell us on occasion. So now this is our uh, murder mystery, a murder mystery episode, as we are expecting in these shows we are watching. So we're going to be introduced to the suspects. There are conveniently three of them to get again, which is like a common number of suspects to have, uh, especially in a one episode mystery. And it's the three people who were there at that time, minus the daughter who is who is not suspected for whatever reason. Maybe she wasn't there. Well, because uh, the police were going to be like, nope, and she called detectives. So like she could have been scot free. So we don't really have to look at her. Maybe it's reasonable. I think. Uh, the first one is the assistant, uh, Honda Keiko, who is, lives upstairs, and she assists him in writing these books because she is real well-versed in languages and translating things. She used to travel with him, but they had an argument recently about wages. She's also the owner of the flower pot that uh, fell on his noggin. <laughs> Does one own a flower pot? Yeah, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> she doesn't have the <laughs> deed to the flower pot. She maybe went to Home Depot and bought it. For her flat, who knows? It was, I will. It was on her balcony. Yeah, I think more important. Yeah, not to not to berate you. I think more important is that it was on her balcony, uh, the space to which she had access. I, I would say she was shamelessly mad, not trying to hide that she was mad, and also smoking in front of kids again. <laughs> Just smoking in front of kids. Well, it was a different time, right? Two thousand three. Oh, really? Was it? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't that different of a time. We knew smoking was bad. Oh boy, I thought this was a 90s anime. I mean, well, I f- felt that way about it when I started watching it, and then I looked it up and I was like, oh, really? 
everything's a little dated, even now, even then. So we're, we learned that they worked together, him and the assistant. He published a book, he used her connections, but wouldn't give her royalties. So she is, just, yeah, openly very upset about that. And they show us that there's like a, a mark on the ground where this flower pot that she was the owner of uh, was moved from and put onto the balcony. It's kind of crazy. Well, it, well, I guess it's reasonable someone did that just by accident and then it fell later. I mean, I think, wasn't the balcony, it was like a metal, like, pole balcony, right? It wasn't like a wall where you might set upon a flower pot. It's pretty suspicious. Yeah, it's suspicious that the cops would be like, nah, but whatever. That's why we're here. And then, so that's what we learned from her. Mm -hmm. So then we move on to the manager, Kawase Chikara. Um, He's been his manager since before he retired from racing. Again, like, well, I guess we see him near a car, but does it matter? Like, he could have been writing books about anything. Yeah. It's just a thing they picked, I guess. Um, And he was the one who discovered the body. He came to pick him up for a meeting, came into the room. The door was locked. They broke it open. And the the, the two of them, Chikara and Honda, the manager and the assistant, went in and saw the body. He has a bandage on his head. Nobody mentions it. It looks like it might be important. No, it doesn't come up. It doesn't come up. Uh, And also, he declares he's never been in the the upstairs. Well, because Megu asks, uh, did you move the flower pot? Or where was it? And he said, I, well, I've never been in her room to see it. Mm-hmm. We then meet the third suspect, Otori Mayumi, who is the uh, wife of the victim and not the mother of the daughter because she came on uh, when the daughter was 10 and, and the father remarried for whatever reason. Um, but they've, they were told they've had a happy marriage, except they've had trouble recently. She came in after the other two into the room and she immediately fainted. She said it was uh, heartbreaking to see him die, even though their relationship wasn't great recently. Which, you know, I'm like, okay. Uh, and then she asks if you've moved the flower pot. And uh, she says she admits she's the landlord of the building, but that she wouldn't go in there because that's a good landlord thing to say. Yes. I'm not going to go in there. All right. So let's let's check in. Yeah. I, to be fair, like I'm with this episode, I was like, I was like shady assistant lady is what I wrote down. Then like. Like, mysteriously white bread manager guy, and then uh, shady, sad widow. So I was exp- I was suspecting everybody. Well, and we know the truth, but is there someone we were expecting at this point when we were watching it? Mm, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, like, it really could be any of them. They're all equally suspicious. It's not like the previous one where it was... Maybe a little obvious because there was only one person they were casting suspicion on. They talk a bit more about the flower pot. Cosmo still hasn't solved this message. Savamaro is a jerk and it's like, maybe I shouldn't have expected you to be able to solve it. At this point, we're also told that Cosmo is trying to convert the letters into zodiac signs. Which probably makes no sense. (laughs) He's trying everything. He's trying everything. And And we're starting to question if it's a real dying message or he literally collapsed on a keyboard. Right. Uh, to which Q is like mildly helpful. He's like, well, I think it's a dying message because uh, he bothered to shuffle over to the computer. So why would he do that when he was hit on the head on the balcony? And in my head, I'm like, to delete his bor- his porn? But, you know, who knows? <laughs> I don't know. If you... Okay, so we got a good look at the room. If If you were had just seen your killer drop a flower pot on you Mm -hmm. and stumbled into that room how would you leave a message how would i leave a message uh 
well, I mean, again, we're talking about this in 2020, so I take out my cell phone and, like, bring up her contact information or something, I guess. That's very aware of you. I think I would still look for a pen and paper. <laughs> pen and paper are great. Of course, he's been smashed on the head, so we're not necessarily thinking straight. Yeah, he sh- that's true. He, well, well, we'll see how straight he was thinking, maybe in a bit. I would. He could also use the blood. That's a that's classic. That's the classic. That's, that's our, a classic. That's our logo. Yes. <laughs> But, you know, no, he went to the computer, maybe he typed something, maybe it wasn't real. Cosma is, like, upset by even the suggestion that it wasn't real. Um, one thing I also noted was, when Q's giving his explanation, we do that classic shot where we see the person dropping the flower pot on him, but it's just, um, like, a shadow person. Yeah. Uh, which is great. <laughs> that we're starting to get some of those. Love a good shadow person in anime. <laughs> because we don't know what it looks like for someone to push a flower pot over without you showing us, but we can't see who it is yet. So it's just going to be a person in shadow when there is no shadow. And this is when Q is accidentally helpful because he's like, I'm going to go move around because sometimes I don't think with just my hand, I, head, I like to move my body. Ooh, I was so happy when he said that. It's so important to move your body and your mind, especially now in shelter in place times. Do you think that's a, a common, like, programmer behavior to be like i'm gonna leave the computer and go do something oh, else definitely not no i think the stereotype <laughs> of computer people sitting at computers all the time is is very accurate but what about google's uh like uh google, google facebook they all have yeah they all have gyms and stuff gyms and michael what am i you're waving your arms but what's coming to my mind is like riding scooters down the hall so i don't know what your arm waving oh, is. Ping, oh pong. ping pong Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Ronald. We do play ping pong in our office sometimes. That's that, that <laughs> does happen. But um, yeah, I think that for the most part, people who write programs generally like sitting in front of a computer and thinking about stuff. <laughs> so that's not to say that there aren't you know people who exercise and do computer stuff. But it's uh, more frequently than not not something that you think about at the time. Well, you said it. I didn't say it. You you said it. You're a software engineer. My hands are clean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it is kind of shocking that like it's never occurred to Cosma that maybe he should stop frantically typing on his computer for a minute and try something else. Like, you've got to have reached that point before in programming something where you're like, it's not helpful for me to keep trying to tackle this problem. I'm going to take oh, a break. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah, but he's like a kid, and he's like trying to prove himself desperately to get away from these people he suddenly hates. Yeah, he needs to get into class A. That's a question that we see answered uh, later on in this episode, but I'll jump to it now, because we were questioning this last episode. Kate was like, he looks really young, our mystery guest last time. Um, And we were confused about whether how how old he is, but they do seem to establish in this episode that he is like younger than them, elementary school age, and is in the school because he's a prodigy. Yes. He's also fucking rich oh my god <laughs> right yeah because we see him solving the problem at home what are the rich people traits that 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 cosmo gets oh, he gets a butler <laughs> he gets a bed with like a canopy yes he has a laptop uh, yeah it's a he, nice laptop that has a seemingly limitless battery life by yeah, the way I, i've said this before and i'll say it again it's the early 2000s that thing is got to be searing hot all the time <laughs> he gets what i thought of as like some person's idea of what rich people might eat, which is lobster sandwiches. Oh, yeah, I had to look that up. I did not know it. It was like lobster on just the whitest, McWhitest bread you've ever seen. And it's his favorite. That's what rich people eat. 
Yeah, it's his favorite. <laughs> his butler um, brings him lobster sandwiches. The other thing I just thought of, he's walking around with his computer and access, seemingly accessing the internet at times. But doesn't have a cell phone. Well, he does have a cell phone. Does he? He just leaves it behind later. Oh, okay. I thought that was like a wireless phone. Oh, it, it might be a wireless phone. It might be a cell phone. But my question is, this is 2003. Would he have been able to do like just wireless stuff on his computer at all these different places he's going? Oh, hmm. Yeah, if it's just the decoding of a code, then I don't think you'd need the internet for that part. Right, the offline mm-hmm. stuff. But we've seen him, like, Google, Google stuff. That's right. Well, so I know episodes. that Japan had a pickup of, like, net cafes as a culture before us. So we could possibly see, like, a universe where he's running off screen to plug in and Google things and come back. I don't know. He it's wouldn't questionable. Have, he wouldn't have wireless internet, for sure. That's right. Or maybe he does... And he's paid out of his butt for it. Oh, because he's rich as F, yeah. He has his own dedicated that's satellite. True. That's true. It might. Because that's what you would need, like satellite back then, probably. Yeah. Or a weird cell connection that wasn't that great. Um, and at, well, after he eats this sandwich, by the way, <laughs> I'm getting hungry. <laughs> I will I will slap some dry lobster on some white bread Gross. for you. No! <laughs> We don't have lobster. We're not rich kids. Um, but he he's has a sandwich, and he's like, the, the code is not producing meaningful words. Maybe I can't solve it with a code. Like, duh. duh. Uh, and then he flashes back to Q talking about using his body. It's a weird way the flashback is framed. Right. Um, and then we conveniently cut to Q in the bath. Yeah. The, what I wrote was, uh, everyone was waiting to see this child in the bath? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's weird to see him in the bath. The idea that he would be in the bath at that moment makes perfect sense to me because, like, he's thinking through the, he's thinking through the murder. I would t- totally jump in the shower. Yeah, I certainly think in the shower. And but it's it's inconvenient because Kazuma at this moment solves it. He he types the thing into the c- keyboard again and again, and the really dramatic music starts to play. It's great. Love well, it when dramatic music plays. Well, so first he like he decides to take Q's advice and he gets up. But oh, it yes. isn't the actual act of moving his body that actually does anything. He just accidentally mashes some keys, right. and suddenly he's like, Bleh! Well, when he tries to stand up, he almost falls over. Probably because, like Ronald said, he <laughs> he doesn't do that much. <laughs> yeah. Weak core strength. Right, so he's he's repeatedly... He's typing the code in over and over again. Yeah. And he's like, I've got it. Now we cut to mom. This... Hot mom! <laughs> this is Q's mom, and this is great. Um... Ronald, did you happen to pick up what the what the mom's character name is? No, that's because it doesn't exist. That's because we oh. we are five episodes in. She doesn't have a name yet. But in fact, when she picks up the call, she says, "Yes, this is Q's mom." <laughs> that's a normal thing that you'll do for elementary school age students, right? It's true, but you give a real name to yourself. But she does have an apron that says "hot" on it. So she's hot mom. <laughs> she's hot mom. She's often tired. She's always making dinner, it seems. Or not making dinner. Or not making dinner. Um, but yeah, she takes this call. And of course, Q is in the bathroom. That's why it matters, because he's not able to answer the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like nowadays where everyone just seems to sometimes use their phone. <laughs> in the shower? In the shower. I don't know. Um, and then, I don't know. It's like you, you bubble bath. You're like Netflix and a bubble bath. No, that's never happened. Did you Netflix and bubble path? I haven't done it, but I know I know people do it. They like use their devices to have a relaxing bubble bath. Wow, that sounds like an 
like a electricity hazard. That sounds like how you get Uncle Festered in Adam's Family Values. <laughs> Lose all your hair? You get electrocuted in the bathtub. And so so he's not there to take the call. So Cosmo's like, whatever, I'm just going to go. I'm going to be the only one who's did it. I don't even know why I tried to call them anyway. Let's, let's generate danger in this otherwise danger-free scenario by being a selfish brat and throwing myself in harm's way for personal gain. <sighs> I wouldn't call this scenario entirely danger-free. I mean, he could stay home and tell people about it. That's true. Oh, yes. The, the, the thing he does next to, it does uh, cross the line and put him in danger. But uh, Q's mom... Uh, hopefully, Ronald, you've caught on. Q is the main character. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's right in the title of the show. Um, <laughs> his mom uh, gives him the message, or what she got, which is that Cosmo called. And Q is like, of course, he must have solved the, the message. Um, and pretty much comes to the right conclusions about what's going on. So he meets up with Kinta and Megu at the train station. They're going to they're gonna try to catch up with him. Because he's tried to call him back and he got no answer. Yeah. And... Um, they talk, they're like, he's probably deciphered the code. I did notice they're not wearing their, like, most, what I would call their most standard outfits here. Megu has a different jacket on. Q has the jacket he wore in the first episode that says USA on it. USA. I'm very curious about that jacket. That is, like, a very tiny thing to point out. We are scrutinizing this so much to keep it exciting for our listeners. Yes. Also, they're in a new school, and they're all still wearing what they were wearing beforehand, which I assume are their junior high uniforms. I wonder if that will change at some point. I don't know. Yeah, it's very disappointing that in this high school anime, we don't have, like, very formulaic uniforms as you would expect from a high school anime. Yeah. But we we go back. So we know they're on their way. But now we're going to see Cosma. He's, like, kind of nervously outside. He sees the, uh, the mom character, one of the suspects, through the window. And he goes in. Oh, you're the detective from earlier. Just, he, doesn't, he just doesn't go in. He, he forces his way into their home. Yeah. He doesn't knock. He's just like, uh, I'm going to break in and accuse you of murder. Yes. He comes right in. The The character who happens to be sitting on the couch, which you can see through the main floor window, is the person he's accusing of murder. He points at her and says, you're the one who murdered him. Uh, pretty good murder point. I personally can't think of any other way that I would accuse someone of being a murderer. Other than making a dramatic entrance, pointing my finger at them and saying, you're the one who did it. It's true. He was, he was feeling his oats there. She's like, but but why? Why are you saying this? Where's your proof? He very helpfully opens up his laptop to show her. Yes. And explains that he had to type it with his fingers to figure it out. And it's a very specific to Japanese thing. Well, I mean, you could do the equivalent in English as well. Yes, but possibly less successfully. Because essentially what he does uh, is he draws the characters on the keyboard. Like, he draws them with his finger across the keys. He draws katakana, which spells out the character's name. Yeah, and katakana is, they're, they're, they're simpler in terms of the number of lines and shapes that make them up. Right, it's not like kanji, it's specifically the, the set of characters they use to write things without like either foreign words, yeah. or to take the meaning away from the kanji, or just to write it more simply. There's yeah. a couple different types of characters that are used in Japanese. I, I know vaguely about it. Michael seems to always it's, know a bit more than me. It's the most simple to draw and linear yeah. uh character set that you might do like draw on a keyboard with so then they show us like as you press the keys how it spells out the letters i'm gonna share on our facebook page uh, some screenshots of that so you can see exactly what that means i think when you see it it makes sense it's not very audio explainable but uh, there's five characters it's split into three parts the first part spells ma then you then me add that together mayumi which i'm sure you remember is the mother's name <laughs> 
and we get to see the flashback of her murdering him and we see him seeing her and that's why he wrote out the name mm-hmm. oh so this mom has a name but hot mom doesn't right well no, she's not a suspect in a murder fortunately yes yes <laughs> <laughs> one of the things we like about these shows and we didn't po- point it out in this one is they always do that title card so as the characters were introduced their names come up but even so it's like they're just going to be here for an episode it's it's hard to remember yep you wonder how many like Japanese viewers were watching this and were like writing it down and if anybody like pulled out a keyboard and solved it before episode end probs no one I don't I don't know don't put it past people maybe who knows this is where the danger really starts right so basically she's like oh that's just circumstantial evidence. It doesn't prove anything. But I'm going to kill you now. And she calls in <laughs> the manager. She calls in the manager, who I guess is in on it. He's in on it. It's not explained exactly why. <laughs> he was standing nearby. So Band-Aid's gone. Was never quite important. He does a nice step out of the shadows. I didn't notice the Band-Aid on him anymore. Yeah, you, as you said, it's gone. Yeah. It was never important. Mm-hmm. And Cosmo tries to get away. He, like, slips out of his grasp for a bit, but then uh, the manager grabs him and has him in his grasp, and the music gets real intense here. It's real intense. Uh, murder mom, or I'm sorry, murder wife, uh, pulls out a rubber hose. I think, I don't know, uh, it's like piano wire or something almost. It kind of like it had a boingy, like a stretchy sound. Like, But the point is she had a murder wire on her. Yeah, yeah. This, is not, this is not at all similar to, like, a flower pot off the balcony murder, what she's about to do. And the, the daughter appears at the top of the stairs and, and calls out for her to stop. This is like the a deliberate manufacturing of a very dramatic moment that, is it justified? I don't know. There's certainly danger here for this character. And she calls for her mother to stop. She's also very polite. Yeah. She says, please stop. Yes, please, mom. Don't kill that child. And you wonder, like, did she put everything together in that moment of seeing all of this stuff happening? Oh, you must have been the one to kill father and all of that. But that has no effect. So we're very fortunate that the door opens, revealing... Our quirky gang of friends. The other three people, because teamwork is the best it weapon. Makes, it makes the dream work. Um, and Kinta actually uses martial arts and neutralizes the guy, knocks him to the ground. Karate chops him in the neck. We, we're still questioning how strong his abilities are, but it does seem like when they need to get someone out of danger, he is able to effectively affect that. The, and uh, and Q's like... you. If you you called me, and that's how I knew to come, and that's why we were here to save you. I want to say something. Uh huh. Thank goodness we saw the police taking the suspect away, because there have been all these times when it, the absence of like a formal crime investigation has been baffling. Yes, the general lack of emergency services in this anime about murder has finally been resolved. Ronald, what did you make of her explanation of why she did it? Hmm. Well, I mean, I got stuck a little while thinking about how uh, how they all were able to enter the house. That's true. Like, why, why did why did you have how did you get in there? <laughs> anyway, I don't remember it being a very strong motivation. It, it was vague. Seemed like uh, yeah, it was very vague. Well, so this is what I think. This is what I've pieced together from what I saw. Right. So her explanation is that. Oh, she's, she wasn't thinking of murdering him, but then she looked down and suddenly all her frustrations over the years t- turned to a fit of rage and she yeah. murdered him. But in the scene, for like a hot second, as she's murdering him in this flashback, we see like some unexplained hands like come up and help her in like a shot. As if the manager is helping so her. This is what I, I, think. I wasn't sure if I saw that or not. So this is what I think. I think the real plot was she, the, the recent uh, troubles was that she was boffing the manager and some someone before airtime was like, oh no, 
uh, this is too sexy for kids. We're changing the plot, and this is the result. That's what I think. Interesting. The mystery behind the mystery. I think they were boinking, and they decided to try to edit it out. Or it's just like, that's for the more mature, discerning watcher. Um, that could that could explain it. With animation, you certainly have an easy ability to kind of change some of that stuff as you go along. You know what we could do, if it wasn't entirely in Japanese, is try to get our hands what? on the manga. Ah, yes. Ah. Well, we would see the scenes. Like we might see some sexiness. Maybe we should try to get our hands on some of that manga. Yeah, I'm going to try to get a hang, uh, hold on it for the next episode, and I'll, I'll solve this mystery. The <laughs> we'll mystery of, you was it sexy? And, uh, oh, the music gets so dramatic. But I think this is worth pointing out, because one of the, the tropes that I've seen across multiple of these shows is the victims, as they're revealed, having these kind of sob story, why I did it. And often it's very relatable of, like, the person was terrible and put them through stuff. Hers, not so much. No. But they tr- they, they're just kind of taking it for granted that you would expect it to be. And then we're, we, like, through this moment, cut back to class. Where yes. Where Don, uh, Don Sensei is, like, giving this really lame, generic speech that's basically just like, sometimes when you solve murders, it might be sad. Surprise, children! Sometimes it might be sad. He, there's two. There, there were two points he made. Pursuing a case can lead to sad endings for everyone. Basically, like we should, we were supposed to maybe sympathize with her a little bit, and the fact that she went, that she got caught, was maybe sad. Um, and secondly, he says something about people try to change their circumstances, uh, and I don't know exactly what to make of that either. Yeah, it was very generic. Well, that was more for um, our genius computer prodigy, right? Well, he also changed his circumstances. And he gets, like, credit. They're, like, gonna promote him. But he um, he admits that it was Q who helped him. And with the hint to use his body. And uh, that he did... I guess he decided that teamwork is worth it after all. Yep. His random uh, angst episode has now uh, ended. Uh, and let's come back to uh, this programmers don't like physical exercise stereotype. <laughs> that, you, that, that you, Ronald, uh, have established, not me. <laughs> because that this is like the last moment of the episode proper because um, kinta's like oh you want to use your body well, let's do martial arts together and they start doing that like wrestling they yeah, wrestle. he immediately cringes right yes he cringes he says i hate sweaty stuff yeah and kinta's counter argument is sound mind sound body or what it sounds like it's maybe a full japanese proverb because he says like a lot and it, the subtitle was very short right uh so so i could imagine that being the case and uh, that's 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 it. That's, that's the end of the it. episode. That's almost it. I haven't been telling people to stick around after the credits. Maybe I should start. Ronald, did you did you watch the credits? Did you watch the no, coming up next? I didn't. Well, I, you missed something. I feel like this might be our last one. I think that's why it went the way it did. Oh, because there's nothing else happening. Yeah. So, like we said, the the character of Ryu was introduced in a bunch of these. Like, after they would do next week on, he, there would be the six-second clip of something important happening. This time, we get shots of, of a naked male torso in a shower. And for the record, like, this Ryu character, like, we're, whether, whatever you feel about anime boys, uh, we're clearly supposed to be like, this is the Bishonen character. He's a pretty boy. He's supposed to be attractive to somebody. Bishonen is, like, a, a character type of the pretty boy. Right, literally beautiful boy. Yeah, and they, they all kind of look the same as yeah. he does and like long blue hair disaffected triangle eyes you could imagine there might be a scene in an anime where the bishonen character comes out of the shower yeah and i, I wrote here uh everyone was waiting to see this child in the shower 
All of their ages are ambiguous. Uh, it turns out it's not Ryu. It turns out that it's Kinta. It's like, it's not the hot one? <laughs> Which is kind of a, a kind of meant to be a twist because we've always seen Ryu after the episodes. Yeah. So we thought we were seeing sexy Ryu times, but we were just seeing, just seeing Kinta. And he seems to be like 30 or something. So it's okay. <laughs> and also he's got like a poster of New York. He's like, yeah. like just a little extra on the fake out. But yeah. he's standing naked in his now like room with just the chair blocking his bottom half. Uh, and he looks at the audience and he's like, someone looking at me? He's like, I sense something. I sense something. Yeah. And that's, that's it. That's, that's it. That's how the episode actually ends. So Ronald, I'm sorry you missed that. It was hot. <laughs> I was fanning myself. You were not. I was not. I saw you watching it. I was. I thought it was silly. So let's, like, let's let's come to, let's come back together. Let's 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 think about everything that just happened here. My big picture questions are always kind of like, so Ronald, you have seen you have seen some of Case Closed, Detective Conan, at some point mm-hmm. in the past. Uh, right. How how does this compare? Oh man, uh, I thought it was fun and silly, and um, just this this trope of children solving mysteries i love it the mystery can never be too intense except that they get in lots of danger right well Mm -hmm. i was going i was about to say like at least with detective conan he's an elementary student uh solving uh murders but it's fine because he's actually and then i stopped myself i'm like oh yeah he's actually just a high school student so that's not better (laughs) that's the that's the current situation i don't know what you're talking about we'll explain that more in detail later i mean uh, what am i talking about yeah there's there's a lot of weirdness regarding the age of the characters in detective conan it comes up a lot lots of child endangerment on that show regardless of the protagonist's age Mm -hmm. are what what like intrigues you maybe you'd watch more or what just isn't interesting to you hmm that's a tough question I don't know that I would watch another episode of this Well, show. there we have it. <laughs> That's it an is. answer to yeah. the question. <laughs> yeah. I would consider reading it and yeah. seeing if it got exciting at a faster pace. Hmm. Or maybe watching it like double speed. That's true. It, it is going to take a while to get, to get anywhere with the show, I feel like. Yeah. And you never know how an anime adaption stacks up to the manga. It could be a terrible adaption of a really great manga for all we That's know. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. So so we did we did one of the great things about this show is like so far there's never been the sense that any of our guests would have watched this independently <laughs> of of me inviting you on the podcast and saying hey can you watch this episode <laughs> that's fair i had heard of detective q before and it did not actually like compel me to to read it unlike detective conan for whatever reason it's more forgotten it's much more forgotten certainly yes so yeah so you're not running out to watch more but you know Someday, we will be watching other types of detective anime on this podcast. Um, we've got 40 more episodes of Detective Academy Q. So now I'll ask Ronald if you have anything as we part that you want to plug or, or share with us. Yeah. One, I, uh, I'm just so excited about this podcast. Um, I don't know how to, like, all the things that you brought up are just things that I totally glossed over in the show i guess it's so easy to fall into like uh what's what's the term um suspension of disbelief for a lot of these things but there's so many things wrong with all these children getting in danger i mean it can be Um, fun to watch and you can go along for the ride and also (laughs) think about how nonsense it is (laughs) yeah uh other things um i think that i should disclaim that the stereotype of software engineers (laughs) 
being totally opposed to exercise is is not like you know characteristic of everyone yeah um yeah. of course uh and uh finally if you ever are interested in software engineering or know any youth that are um there's a great organization called code nation its goal is to connect um youth especially like um youth in underrepresented populations with careers in technology um and check them out codenation.org if you um know anyone who's interested yeah maybe there's a maybe there's kids out there watching detective academy q and seeing kasuma and saying that could be me if only i was rich and ate lobster sandwiches <laughs> not to not to pin a joke on like what is a great organization <laughs> It was really, it was really great to to get to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. To have two computer people, as uh, our computer character gets an episode all about him, which is very barely about computers. Yep. <laughs> and while I will continue to complain about all the technological nonsense, I will now slip back into my role as resident anime expert and uh, pretend I'm not a, a coder again. <laughs> Uh, Ronald, I also hope people made it all the way to the end of the episode to hear you apologize for your earlier characterization so you don't get any angry letters uh, from, like, buff coders out there. I'll, calling, I'll, I'll own up to it. Calling you out to, like, the um, the basketball courts on the Google campus right, right. after school. It turns out one of the most common hobbies among software engineers, actually, is rock climbing. So... It'll be a bunch of climbers coming. In. Do you think they pull out their laptop while they're up there and put in all the points of where the rock nodes are to calculate a path? Wow, you know, I think that's what people imagine in their heads <laughs> while they're doing it, and that's part of why it's such a popular activity for software people. Um, but no, they don't actually pull out their computers. I just kind of thought of it as like a slightly rich way to exercise. It's not that rich. Okay. Yeah. Because okay. you can yeah. also just go to a mountain. It's certainly a more interesting version of exercise yeah so i could see someone who needs to keep their brain occupied doing something like that it's cool it's it's uh yeah it's something um so next episode we are going to be covering episode six this is very exciting because before we started this podcast mike and i had watched episodes one through five of detective academy q stop we need to do a podcast, I said, and uh, we decided to do this podcast, um, but we haven't seen episode six yet. Now before, uh, I mean, now unlike before, we stand before a yawning chasm of the unknown, just like y'all. So we're taking the adventure together now. So, you know, at the time of recording, we may we may have seen a couple more episodes by then, but, but we really don't know what to expect. Really excited to break it down. I'm like, we, Michael and I live together, and it's very strict that we're not allowed to talk about this except when we're recording. We're going to watch it separately, divide ourselves up despite uh, living together, and uh, just just have at it with our future mystery guests. It, it, it's a mystery. Who is it going to be? Uh, I don't know. You don't know. We will find out together. Um, but if you're enjoying our podcast, please support us. We're just getting off the ground. There's the social media avenue. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on twitter leave us comments there or send us uh emails dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com if there was you know something you noticed in the episode something you want to talk about another anime you want to tell us about things like that we're looking uh to be able to share some of those messages on the show um get some other voices out there the other thing to do you found this podcast somewhere subscribe and review us like us uh on your podcasting service we're up on stitcher podchaser soundcloud more etc uh i'm sure by the time this goes up yeah this show is taking off we're getting into the point where we kind of introduce most of the characters and starting to do mysteries by mystery 
mysteries. We're really excited to break down the clues. What does and doesn't make sense. What is and isn't satisfying. The weirdnesses. The the all of that stuff. So uh, we're excited to have you all along for that ride. Oh yeah, before we go, Ronald, uh, I, I had to ask you because one time there was this mystery you solved about grapes. That's right. Yes, we wanted to know when the grapes actually were put into the dining hall to figure out if we were just eating very old grapes. So the way that we solved that was uh, we came in at lunchtime and, you know, over the course of the semester, we had been befriending the dining hall staff to the point that they didn't kick us out after lunchtime ended. Then we stayed there quietly and watched as they cleaned up and also like all the way waited until dinner time. We just brought all of our homework and did it all for hours and hours until it was time for dinner. Um, it turned out that we weren't eating grapes that had just been out the whole day because um, they actually uh, put the food out right before dining hall opened, reopened for dinner. I would say, Ronald, that actually you did better in terms of surveillance and solving a mystery than anything we have seen so far from the characters on Detective Academy Q. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, I was not a child. You were not a child. An inflammatory statement, Noah. (laughs) And that closes the case on this week's Dying Message, the Detective Anime Mystery Podcast, episode four, in which we insult Silicon Valley and also crack the code. Podcast cover art created by Miriam Bloom, Music excerpted from Solve the Damn Mystery by Jesse Spillane. Thank you again to our mystery guest, Ronald Martin. Coming up, can our teenage detectives see through the 1,000-person alibi? What kind of trinkets are hidden in those tiny DDS notebooks? Is Kinta lucky, intuitive, or just along for the ride? All that and more when we next examine the scene of the crime for that fatal note. The Dying Message. Welcome! Nope, I'm gonna do it again. Sometimes I have to do it multiple times, that's okay. These are outtakes, they're lovely. Came out with a lot I'm of still trying to think of what the last anime I watched was. <laughs> that's okay, yeah. Uh, you know, I can always edit out pauses and stuff, so don't feel like mm-hmm. you gotta... No, 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 I'm just, I'm just, I'm glad that you took extra time. <laughs>